everybody. How are we doing? How are we living? The NFL season is over, and Talking Football is here to break down week 16 of the NFL season. There's not much to break down within that, but you know what we do need to break down is the fact that Justin Tree um, has gone back-to-back years on the spread and player prop bet record. Uh, he went 2-0 again this year, so it was a clean sweep back-to-back years. So, Trees, we I guess we'll break this down and give you uh, your props and congratulations here that you uh, deservedly uh, get. I mean, you do deserve this. I'm kind of running out of words on what to say and praise you because you asked me to praise you. And so it really just kind of takes the, the genuineness out of it. But congrats. I'm glad you're able to do this. Uh, back-to-back years man yeah thanks dude so here's the nice thing right like it for you is like this isn't genuine but i don't care like i just want the credit <laughs> and you want to know what four and oh feels great two and oh in both like i may never lose again or i mean at all to you like not even again i feel I like i feel like this year was closer than last year i felt like uh I spread was way closer a little bit Spread yeah. was I only lost by two. So the overall record was 146. Uh, I had 146 wins. Trees had 148 correct. 108 so, wrong. I had 110 wrong. So given we started this halfway through the season last year, but I beat you mm-hmm. by ni- 19 last year. Hey, whoa, easy, Tiger. I mean, there's just some information that we, we can keep to ourselves if, if that's something you'd like to do. I mean, I feel like that's, you know. I, uh, I mean – I mean, that was a compliment to you of how much you've improved. You know, that's on me then. That's on me for looking at it that way. I need to have a better point of view uh, yeah. in the way I look at things. That, was, that wasn't disrespect. That was nothing but respect from me. So I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. What a guy. What a guy Justin Treese is. 4-0 and uh, within this record. And I think what really cost me was just kind of getting a little risky on some of my picks this year. I feel like there were – a couple weeks there where I decided to be a little hot takey. It was like, Hey, you know, keep an eye on that possibility instead of just looking at it being like, Hey dude, yeah, it's a possibility, but you know, that ain't the reality. Yeah. I, I, I think I kind of fell into that trap a little bit and I'm going to try and make sure I don't do that for the playoffs as we preview those, because we are going to be previewing the AFC wild cards uh, today for you guys. And then tomorrow we will be previewing the NFC playoffs. Um, the, way we discussed it the last couple of weeks, so I feel like we're kind of on the same page with some upsets that might take place. Um, it is going to be exciting, and we'll get into that. But first, Tree Sivia has made a return. It's been a little bit since we've done it. Tree tells me right before we go to record, he's like, hey, if you would have looked at the rundown a little bit more closely before I popped up the, the old spread records, you would have seen that we were doing Tree Sivia. So I'm glad it's back. I know you guys are glad it's back. Two players is what I hear with seven stats that I got to track down uh, on this Soundlight LED manual page because I do not have a notebook sitting next to me. So bear with me, guys, as I scribble through this this episode. All right, here we go. Player one has played 12 games. Player two has played 16 games. I'm just going to do it this way to make it so it's easier for you on your scribble yeah. writing. Uh, hey, I'm good, dog. Go ahead. Player one has 83 tackles. Player two has 50 tackles. Player A has 9.5 sacks. Player, am I doing A or B or one, two? I don't remember at this point. But I, I mean, you're doing one, two. I wrote down eight. I mean, it's on the same page. I'm just cracking because I have a feeling where your petty ass is going here. So go ahead. Player, player two has nine sacks. Um, player one has 14 tackles for loss. Player two has 15 uh, tackles for loss. Player one has zero interceptions. Player two has one interception. Player one has one forced fumble. Player two has three forced fumbles. And they both have three pass deflections. They both have three? 
Correct. Okay. Uh, so you are a Jaguars fan, and we have watched Yannick Ngakwe force himself out of Jacksonville. Uh, do these happen to be a current Jacksonville Jaguars player and one a former? Nope. Zero. Zero really? Jaguars. Zero are Jaguar players or former Jaguar players. Wow. Okay. So take really- that. Take that petty comment and shove it up your ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, glad to be back in 2021. Coming with a little bit of attitude. <laughs> New Year's sassy trees. That's what it is. Okay. I don't know how to respond to that, but here we are. Um, are they, are any of these players, as player A or as you reference player one or two, are they a rookie? No, they, neither are rookies. Both have actually been in the league for multiple years. Four years, I think. One's four and one's longer. Does it happen to be the Watt brothers? No. TJ Watt or Aaron Donald? Nope, neither. Okay, Chandler Jones? Uh, no, Chandler Jones hasn't played that many games. He got injured at like week like six or seven this year, I feel like. One played 12 games, one played 16. So how about even, between between the two players, which one am I picking? I'm assuming is what we're doing here, correct? I'm in both. I want to know who they are, but yeah, like which one? Which one would you rather have on your team? Uh, okay, so one played 12 games, one played 16, 83 tackles to 50 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss, two interceptions, one forced fumble, three pass deflections. Honestly, I'm probably taking. Player A, because they only play 12 games. I am curious why they missed four. Uh, with this year, though, you know, it could have been COVID reasons. It could have been a slight injury that kept him off the field. But when you play 12 games and you have 33 more tackles, you have a half a sack more. Uh, you do have one less tackle for loss. But you also have a forced fumble and three pass deflections. I'm kind of about it within just the fact that you have that many more tackles. You're involved, you know what I mean? You're more involved within the game. I think this other player, though, three or four fumbles, that's nice. Um, that could just be a game where you just – things just kind of fell your way that that game and that week to make things happen. So I think I'd pick player A because if they were to play those extra four games, these stats are probably even more with sacks, tackles for loss, and four fumbles. What if I told you player one or player A made – $23 million less this year than player two. I would say that's the NFL and it's just freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that is, that is the case in this scenario. They made $23 million less dollars. Correct. In the year 2020 season. How about you just tell me these players' names so I can be stunned. Both are in the playoffs right now. And player one is... Jamal Adams, player two is Clillback. Wow. Holy smokes. Jamal Adams has nine and a half sacks. Most all time by a defensive back in NFL history in a season. Yeah, no shit. Wow. Yeah, dude. So let's say he plays those out of four games. He's in discussion for defensive player of the year. Right? I mean, if you get that many sacks as a defensive or a safety, a box safety, whatever you want to label him. Do you think – okay, how about I ask you this? Do you think he would belong in the defensive player of the year discussion if he would have played those four games and these numbers, you know, going off these averages increased to be in the conversation with Xavier Howard a guy, a corner who led the league in interceptions with the Miami Dolphins or T.J. Watt, the head dresser of the Pittsburgh Steelers? He 100% would be in discussion. Um, and also their defense probably would have started doing better earlier. I mean, they've been on a roll lately, but probably would have even started that earlier. And then see Seattle maybe becomes the two seed. And now, now all of a sudden, now you're really talking uh, defensive player of the year, right? Because like, it's very hard to talk about players that aren't like – one of the top seeds. It's kind of like Zayman Howard. Nobody's really talking about him. I personally think he deserves it, um, but he's not going to get it. I mean, he had 10 interceptions. I think those 10 interceptions are more valuable than 
the 15 sacks that TJ Watt had. Uh, when you talk about it, the point when they happened, like TJ Watt had multiple, like two or three sack games where he had like very good games and then like didn't have anything some games. And then we've talked about Xavier Howard multiple times. He had two scenarios where he went four plus games with interceptions in a row. Like that's making yeah. differences all the time. And, and not to mention he's Kansas city. Yep. And not to mention, he's just shutting down receivers. Like he's making it. So like you are not throwing it to them. So. I think that's a very solid point. Um, with Xavier Howard, do you happen to have any idea what his tackles were? Cause he played every game. He played all 16 games this year, I believe. He did. And I want to say that he was somewhere like around like 40 though. Um, it yeah, wasn't I, I, well, I'm not expecting high numbers. It was just yeah. getting to see that and then the amount of targets that, you know, the amount of times that defenders just decided to throw his way or risk it, it or not. I shouldn't say defenders, quarterbacks, excuse me. It was 51. My apologies. That was a little low. So oh, that's 51. still pretty good. I mean, more than Khalil Mack. Yeah. And he has one forced fumble as well. So basically caused 11 turnovers. As well. Nope, that was against New England, actually. All right. I'm thinking of another DB then. It might have been Brian Jones. Or, or yeah. So, because Byron Jones had a really good game against you guys. Like a really yeah. good game. I mean, the Dolphins, just the defense played pretty good against us. Yeah, it did. It did. But um, the Dolphins still did what they did. But yeah, I just, crazy though. Within that, what are your thoughts on this with Khalil Mack and. I mean,. He gets double teamed, triple teamed a lot. So, you know, some stats are unfair. But also, I mean, I brought it up when the Jags played the Bears. Like, even though the Bears kicked the shit out of the Jags, like, he didn't get a single pass rush, like, a hurry. He did not get a hurry on a quarterback. So, I very much think that he disappears at times. And I'm not going to say he's overrated because, again, he gets double and triple teamed a lot. So, that's a very hard thing to do. But, I mean, like, Aaron Donald does. So, and he's yeah. still putting up the numbers. TJ Watt, I just mentioned how he's getting double teamed like he does and he's still putting up the stats so um you wonder you like you wonder if it's like a defensive scheme or if it's just him not being able to pressure the quarterback like he used to or what it what is it you know it's very yeah. hard to kind of and, wrap your head around it and you mentioned like the making 23 million dollars less i mean jamal adams is still on that rookie deal i believe um he is. is he is he set to get extended this offseason or is it next uh, he can he can start getting extended this offseason. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, within that, damn, a hell of a tree to come back with through this as the NFL season comes to an end. Um, now let's preview the AFC wildcard round that we get. I believe this Saturday and Sunday. I know there's triple headers on both days. Uh, Saturday afternoon starting at 12 o'clock East, or Central Time, I should say, for me. We get to see Indianapolis travel to Buffalo. Uh, that's going to be a fun game. And then on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, we see Baltimore versus Baltimore traveling to Tennessee. And then on Sunday night, primetime, we get Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Uh, just real quick about Cleveland. Real quick about Cleveland. We've all seen the updates. Stephen uh, Stefanski not going to be able to coach. Alex Van Pelt will be taking the offensive coordinator. Will be the interim head coach, and will be doing the play calling for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that I wonder how much of a difference that makes for that game. But before we get to that, I want to preview the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Buffalo to play because I've been saying it for weeks. Trice, I know you've been on the train with me as well. Like, this Colts team isn't being talked about right now. They aren't being respected the way they should be. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, that one-two punch at running back is going to be something special. T.Y. Hilton has really come on strong the last couple weeks here to end the year for the Colts. And Phillip Rivers, Papa Phil's taking care of business. You know what I mean? They did have that tough loss against the Steelers in the second half. It was disappointing. He throws an interception. They still had a chance. It kind of cost them, though. But within this and this matchup, it's going to be a fun one, and it's going to be a good game, and it's going to be cold. It's set right now to be 29 degrees in Buffalo uh, at the start of that game. So it's going to be cold. We'll see how Phillip Rivers handles that. He's been playing in California and then playing in a dome all year. I mean, he's not – I don't think he's – used to playing this far into the season at this cold weather with a cold weather game right here at his age, of course. Um, it is going to be an interesting matchup. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, I mean, they're rolling too. Josh Allen playing at the MVP level. 
Stephon Diggs has completely transformed this offense. Devin Singletary has been tearing it up as well. And then both defenses, we got to show respect to them as well because these guys, they're young, they're fast, and they fly around and they hit people. Um, I know you can say that about nearly every defense in the NFL, but these two right here uh, have been built within the last couple of years through the draft, and it's been paying off for both of them. This is going to be a very fun game. Uh, before I actually predict who I think is going to win, Trace, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, going back to just the schedule, um, I think the NFL could have done better, to be honest, um, on how they did it. Uh, yeah. The two games I'm looking forward to most are the two morning games on each day. And I wish that they were the night games. Um, because for I, you, being in Utah, these are 11 a.m. games, right? They are, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm fine with that, right? Like, it's like you get up, you do a few things, and then it's football time, which is fantastic. But, like, I don't know. When I think of playoff, I, I want the night game. Um, the, the afternoon game are the ones I want, like, that I don't really care about as much. Like those are the games that I would want this and no disrespect to these fans, but like the Steelers and the Browns game and then the saints and bears game or something like that. Like those are the games. No, probably the Washington game, Washington bucks game as well. Like those are the ones that I'd want in the middle and then the other ones in the morning. So I can watch afternoon. If I need to like go and run some errands and I have to miss anything like that's what, and a given, this is all just for me because the world revolves around me. What's my saying, 100% Austin? 100% it does. You better believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's Justin's world. We all just live in it. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, I'm very excited for both of the games. Super excited. that I think that they did a good job of like for the morning game of Saturday, it's like let's start off the playoffs with a bang. And you're probably getting the second most anticipated playoff game. I think, I think that's pretty safe to say for most people. Um, Brown Steelers may be pretty anticipated just because the Browns haven't made the playoffs in like 20 something years. So, um, but going back to the game, just the, this game. So the only hope that they're not Cleveland, sorry, in Indianapolis really has is if that running game continues to do what it's been doing. Um, The bills actually have had trouble stopping the run at times this year. And so that's, I think, that's why you and I both have been like, hey, you can't sleep on Indianapolis. And including their defense is very, very good. And they might be able mm-hmm. to slow down the Bills offense. But also, the Bills are just rolling. They are literally the hottest team in the NFL. Um, so I know last week I said, I might take the, the Colts to win this game. I actually would not be. I will be taking the Bills to win this game. But I also think it is going to be a very close game. And it might be. It's weird. It's going to be like one of those like very, very low scoring games or super high scoring games. Like I don't see 100%. it. 100%. I don't see it being this like, oh, it's 17-21 or 17-24 game. I see it like both teams in the 30s or like both teams like under 20. Like, yep. I think it's going to be a very and fun game. I agree. And, you know, you bring up the run game for the Colts. Like if that is working because, and again, like you said, the Bills, they've struggled against the run and that's been – you know, part of the reason why they've lost some games that they have this year is they haven't been able to slow that down. And so if they do get to a point where the Colts are rolling and Phillip Rivers is taking care of the ball and the Bills have to look at Josh Allen and say, hey, you know, lead us like, you know, we're going as far as you take us. And this isn't me like disrespecting or dissing Josh Allen's throwing ability because he's been great. He's been on another level. But like if you take out Stephon Diggs, if the Colts are able to find a way to remove Stephon Diggs from this playing or from this game, can you rely on Cole Beasley uh, and Dawson Knox to keep you in this or the passing game with Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? Are they effective enough in the pass game to make a difference to help you win a playoff game? Like you said, I'm picking the Bills to win, but I will not be surprised at all if the Indianapolis Colts win. So for me, this is a win-win. Like I'm going to pick the Bills to win this game, but if the Colts upset them, I'll be like, hey, I've been trying to tell you guys, no one's talking about this team. No one's respecting them. No one's paying any attention. This might be the wake-up game for the NFL where they're like, holy shit, look at the Indianapolis Colts. It was the same thing with Tennessee last year. Like, Tennessee gets in the playoffs and it's like, it's just Derek Kennedy. They're fine. Bam. All of a sudden, here comes this defense. They slow down Lamar Jackson. He can't get that offense rolling. Titans win. 
They go and win another one. Uh, they beat New England, I believe, it was, is who it was. And then it was like, holy – or they beat New England. They go and beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in Baltimore. And then they go to Kansas City, and they were up. They were up against the Chiefs. I was at that game, the AFC Championship game. Amazing games, freezing cold. I know the hits that slowed down Derrick Henry. I saw the change of pace. And you could kind of honestly just see the momentum of that game swing back to the Chiefs. It was crazy. I could see the same thing here happening with the Colts and Bills. The only difference is I want to see Bills, Chiefs, AFC Championship game. One and two. It would be amazing to see that in Kansas City. Would hate for it to not happen. Agreed. And also, the spread is six and a half for the Bills. I think I would take the Colts. Right there with you. This isn't just a copycat episode. This is just true thoughts. We've been talking about this all year. We've been going through this, previewing, uh, and then, you know, reacting to everything on kind of where the season's going. Uh, the next AFC matchup, the Baltimore Ravens at Tennessee. You talk about a team that's hot with the Buffalo Bills. That's the Baltimore Ravens right now, too. They haven't played a very tough schedule to end the year here, but they are winning these games just like they should be expected to, right? Like, hey, you're playing a bad team. You should destroy them. Hell, sure enough, they do. They play Cincinnati, they beat them 38-3. to They play the Giants, beat them 27-13. to Jacksonville, 40-14 to on box score reading. They play Cleveland, Lamar Jackson poop game. You know, it's just like, hey, look at what's happening. They play Dallas, run the ball down their throat. Dallas didn't stand a chance. Baltimore's favored by three and a half of this game. Supposed to be cold as well in Tennessee. I believe it's supposed to be in the low 30s. Not below 32. I think it's supposed to be right at it. Uh, but this is going to be another one of those games that's fun. And are the Ravens in redemption mode from last year, from getting knocked out, you know, in their first playoff game uh, against the Titans last year? You know, they, they were the number one seed. They got the bye week. They come in. Tennessee smacks them in the mouth. How's that defensive line looking with Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell in the middle? You know, how's Yannick and Gawkway coming off the edge? How's the secondary slowing down to A.J. Brown? And that's about it. And the receiving weapons with Corey Davis, who is on a contract here, how's Ryan Tannehill taking care of the ball? The passing game for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is going to be a factor, though, because the Tennessee Titans defense can stop the run. Can they keep Lamar Jackson contained? Can they force him to throw the ball down the field? Can they find a way to keep him in the pocket and then not have the middle of the field open all the way down and then let him make something happen in the red zone. I know that's a lot of question marks that I, of course, don't have an answer to. This is going to be a game that I'm watching all Sunday mornings. I'm watching every single snap of this game because I want to see how Lamar Jackson reacts to it. You know, last two years, first-round playoff bounces. Just there it is. We see not necessarily him choke, but they're just he's not able to pass them into a comeback win for the Ravens. It is going to be interesting. I honestly don't know who wins this game, though. Like, it can be either or. If I, if you're making me pick, though, it's probably the Titans again. I think Derrick Henry is just I – can't, I can't keep betting against him. You know what I mean? I've bet against Lamar Jackson, won that bet. I've bet against Derrick Henry, I've lost five times. I'm done doing it. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, we're on totally opposite pages here. I think the Ravens win this game. I think that the – Titans have not been able to stop the run the last like four games. And now they're coming into a team that is running the ball better than anybody. And that given they were doing that last year as well. But again, they were coming off of a bye. And I think that the bye can hurt teams in certain scenarios. And I think that with the Ravens, the way that they do all their read options and stuff, it is very about consistency and doing it often. And they took the week off and you could tell that that bit him, but like, look at what J.K. Dobbins is doing. Like that dude yeah. is on a roll right now. And the credit to the Ravens, they said, "Mark Ingram, you are the leader of this team." That does not mean that you deserve to play. They benched him, and what him and Gus Edwards are doing, him being J.K. Dobbins again, like those three, Dobbins. Edwards and Lamar Jackson are ranked in the top five in most 20 yard runs this year. It is unbelievable what they're doing. And I think Lamar's passing the ball better than he has in his entire career too. Like he's passing it very well the last few weeks. So, um, but I do get the concern about stopping Derrick Henry. They couldn't stop him earlier in the year. I don't know if they're going to be able to again this 
this year either. Like, I think that it's going to be – unfortunately, this game is probably going to feel like it lasts 20 minutes. That's the unfortunate thing because both teams are going to be running the ball. The game, like the, the clock's always going to be rolling. And yeah. so it's going to suck because this is the most anticipated game for me. Um, but I think that the Ravens win this game. I think, one, they want revenge off of that loss. I think, honestly, they're probably more upset about the loss this season to them than they are about last year's playoff at this point. Like that overtime loss was just a heartbreaker for them because that's like yeah. right when they started going on that downhill spiral there. Um, and then I think they want that shot at – given I will say both teams want this. They both want that shot at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in round two. They both want it. I, I mean, you're smiling and laughing because you probably like that, but like that's the reality. No. I think, I think <laughs> no, both teams are like, – yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm just trying to do the math here. So, like, the Ravens would play them, but if the Titans won, the Titans would not play them. It would be either – no, the I'm sorry. The teams that Kansas City could face would be the Colts, the Browns, Browns Baltimore, the, or Tennessee. Tennessee. So, if yeah, yeah. Buffalo wins – And the Steelers win. If Pittsburgh wins, they're not playing Cleveland. If you know what I mean, then so it's, it really then is it's the like winner between both. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I'm super excited for this game. I think that, uh, dude, I'm just in love with JK Dobbins. <laughs> he is just so awesome. I think that he, <laughs> he is has just, been all year though. Yeah. He was my RB one heading into the draft. I really wanted the Jags to take him with their second round pick. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. And I think that, I don't know. And I just feel like they're they're just going to be able to run it better than what they did last year, and so maybe they don't have to put Lamar in a situation where he has to throw it. I think he threw like fifty times that game in the playoffs, like forty or fifty yeah. times, something yeah, crazy. They were down, way. so it was like we have to get down. the ball down the field. Yeah, exactly. And I don't and think so, they're going to get in that situation. I mean, the really what I was going to say, this is not hot takey, but kind of the statement with it is which team is able to take advantage of those deep shots make in saying that like which team is going to take advantage of that one deep shot to Hollywood Brown, you know, is that the Ravens is Lamar Jackson able to hit him deep and kind of open everything up on the field. And then you come back to the run game, you know, with the reaction of Lamar Jackson, JK Dobbins or Gus Edwards. And then same thing with the Tennessee Titans, like Ryan Tannehill is one of those guys that we continue to undervalue or not respect enough. Maybe it's just me. You know, I don't pay enough attention to it. I still catch myself being surprised by it. But his ability to run the football as well, you know what I mean? Hit that open hole and take off. We got to see a glimpse of it against Green Bay as they got smacked that night um, as they were just completely taken out of their element with the weather and then being down that much. They just – the game plan was thrown off. It just – it wasn't a good game for them. So I don't put too much stock into that performance from them. Um but back to my point of the statement here is which team is going to be able to take advantage of those deep shots. Can Ryan Tannehill hit AJ Brad deep? You know what I mean? Does he come down with a contested catch uh, over a Marcus Peters? I don't know this yet, of course, but I think that's really is going to be the difference of this game. It's which team can hit that moment, you know, in play calling and keep the offense rolling and marching down the field and extending drives. And you mentioned Lamar Jackson has been throwing the ball well, uh, the last couple weeks. Now they haven't been playing good teams, but I'm not going to knock him for that. It's, you know, they're asking him to throw the football. He is finding a way to escape out of the pocket to the right or the left side. He's not trying to throw across his body. He's not throwing back to the middle of the field. He's staying patient. He, the target's still in front of him, but he's delivering strikes. And if that's what they're asking him to do and he's succeeding with it, find a way to stop it then. You know what I mean? Um, the only concern is with it is if they do get down and they ask him to do that more and more, can he stay consistent with it throughout an entire game and not just feed off of it through the run game? Because earlier in the year, and this was something I tried to praise with it is everyone was like, man, the Lamar Jackson's not, you know, not doing that well. He's not playing very good. Why are the Ravens trying to run this type of offense? Why are they wanting to pass so much? It's not what we're good at. It's not what we do, you know, talking to Ravens fans. And I tried to like reassure him like, Hey, Y'all lost in the playoffs because Lamar Jackson couldn't lead your team to victory by throwing the football. 
if I'm a Ravens fan, I would much rather see him struggle now early in the season against some top-level teams. And then when you do reach the playoffs, it's like, hey, I've been here before. I ain't making that mistake that I made in week three, four, five, six, seven right here in the wild card round. Let's make this throw and this play happen, and let's go win the damn game and go to Kansas City and try and get some redemption there. That should be the mindset of Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens right now. And their confidence is through the roof now that they're all back and healthy and they're just slacking teams these last five weeks of the NFL schedule. Yeah. Except and for I, Cleveland. Yeah, which again, a win and they still won. The, yeah. The, and they and again, they were up by two scores before Lamar Jackson before Lamar poop Jackson had to poop. Yeah. So um so I think one of the biggest things that we haven't talked about yet on this game is actually the lack of pass rush that the Titans are getting this year compared to last year. Last year, they were averaging, I believe, three sacks a game. This year, they are averaging one. One sack a game. That is third worst in the NFL. Uh, they're averaging 1.2, to be exact. And the only teams worse... Jacksonville and Cincinnati, who are averaging 1.1. So they're averaging 0.1 more than those guys. <laughs> literally, literally, if you take away one, maybe two sacks, they're literally the worst pressuring team in the NFL. So I think that's a big thing as well, because even if they do get in a passing situation, maybe Lamar has that extra little bit of time where he is going to be able to make a throw. So, again, I don't think that the Ravens are going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. I also don't think the Titans are going to be able to stop J.K. Dobbins, Edwards, and Lamar Jackson. So um, I think this is going to be one of those classic like 28-24 games where a team goes down and scores you know, with a, just a few minutes left and the other team has to go down and drive to score. And it's probably like, that's the one time they have to get in a passing situation and they just can't do it. It's, it's like, Hey, our running games work in both ways. Like don't change anything up. But unfortunately this team basically just had the ball last and they ended up winning. Yeah. And I mean, what you bring up right there with the Tennessee Titans defense, they're going to need a big game out of Jeffrey Simmons, you know, Harold Landry and then Kenny Vaccaro being able to stop the run because those are pretty much going to be those guys that they rely on to finish tackles and make plays. Uh, in those type of situations, um, it is going to be a good game. Like I said, this is a game I'm watching every single play of. Uh, is there anything else we want to add to this game, Chase, before we move on to the last one? So, primetime game on Sunday night. I guess we could say all these are primetime games uh, in a way. But the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers, round three. You know what I mean? Like, here we go. I'm picking the Steelers to win. Like, it's, it's awesome for the Browns. I'm excited that they've made it here. Their fans should rejoice. They should be excited. I understand that. Uh, getting to watch Kansas City win their first playoff game, and I think the first time in my entire life, I was born in 95, they finally get a win against the Houston Texans in Houston. They blew them out of the water. Nile Davis had that touchdown return, and it is just one of those things after that, like everything clicked for Kansas City. Go to the next round. I don't even want to talk about it. They lost. I cried. It's whatever. But getting to see that victory was awesome. And so getting to be a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm sure you're feeling the exact same way. The difference here, though, is you are playing a division rival. You are playing a team that has weapons on offense and a defense that's just freaking stacked and ready to play you. Like, I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to this game, if, and this is going to be kind of like one of those duh statements here, Austin, but it's like a, if things are clicking for the Steelers, you're not slowing that offense down this game. Like, there's the Browns defense doesn't have enough to stop that manpower of what the Steelers have with Chase Claypool, JJ Smith, or Juju Smith Schuster, excuse me, um, and then Deontay Johnson. That's it. You know, you throw Washington in that mix as well for the Steelers. The Browns just don't have enough to slow it down. If they can get to Big Ben and find a way to take him to the ground, awesome. But they just lost Olivier Vernon. Is Miles Garrett, can he make a huge enough difference in this game for the Browns to make that much of an impact? And then let's go to the Browns offense. If the running game isn't working, we've seen Baker Mayfield come up, you know, and take care of the football, throw the ball downfield, be accurate, make the right decisions, not be as predictable as what we've kind of knocked him for uh, the last couple of years with him struggling and throwing as many interceptions as he was. How do you look against facing the Steelers for the third time this year? 
Like, they're going to go back and watch these games, and they're going to watch games you struggled on. They're watching games that you succeeded in, and I was like, what can we do to disrupt it? How is he in the rhythm? Now how we get him out of the rhythm. And I just don't think the Cleveland Browns have enough experience in this type of situation uh, like the Steelers do with Big Ben, you know, and the defense, who it, it's not very young. You know, some of these guys haven't been to the playoffs yet. But like, you get a Joe Hayden. He's been in big games before. You know, Steven Nelson with the Chiefs, who is with the Steelers now. He's played in playoff games. He understands these moments. He knows what's expected of him. I just think the Steelers' defense is too good against this Cleveland Browns offense. I know the running game is there. It's still one of those situations, though, where I do wonder, is there enough to beat them for the Browns? And I don't think there is. I think the Steelers come out with a win here. Yeah, me too. I mean, you struggled against beating them when they didn't have anybody last weekend at home. When you knew mm-hmm. everything was on the line, you, you definitely struggled. Um, something that I, I don't think a lot of people actually want to talk about is I think the Titans game, yes, they won that game. And they were dominating that first half. And then the Titans made that huge run. I think that kind of broke the Browns in a sense. So since then, let's say since the halftime of that game, there's been like 18 quarters. They've been outscored by 20 points in the last 18 quarters. And they're a playoff team. In, when you're talking about that, they lost to the Ravens. They lost to the Jets. Barely beat the Steelers when they literally benched everybody. <laughs> and then they had a, a nice 14-point win against the Giants. Like. Okay, so I think that this team is very good. I did not give them credit at the start of the year. Uh, They deserve more credit than what I had given them. So I 100% will recognize that and give them props. I also think that the Steelers have this history and they understand how to coach in the playoffs that it does. You do notice that some teams just struggle the first time they're there. Like the Bills did it in 2017. Given the Jags did not, so maybe I'm just you know, talking out of my ass at this point, but like the bills struggled. I mean, and then the bills struggled again last year, you know, and like you have like the Raiders that got in and they they felt like they were struggling. And, you know, there's been teams that like, don't like, maybe the moment is just, it just gets to them um, in the first, in the first quarter. And then you see them like build up throughout the game, but like you're like, you're in a playoff game. You can't have a bad slow start or anything. You're not going to win the games um, because all these teams are legit so um i just got the steelers like when it's all said and done i i see the steelers causing havoc um i see the defense just causing turnovers and the like you've said their job is to stop the run i think that they feel very confident one-on-one with the wide receivers and tight ends in the passing game and just saying okay baker beat us and if you do you do but we don't think you can but we know that this running game of hunt and Chubb, we know that can beat us. So as a team, we will be there to slow this down. So yep. um, I'm with you there on the Steelers. Um, I know we're going to move into another section, but uh, some breaking news just happened. Uh, the Houston Texans just hired a new general manager, uh, Nick Casario from the Houston Texans. Whoa. Bow, bow, bow. Wow, that was quick. Very quick. I mean, they already knew they liked him. They tried to hire him in 2019, right? Like this was probably just a little sink. Hey, has your philosophy changed in the last 24 months? (laughs) No? Okay, cool. You're hired. Like that's probably how the meeting went. Did they just interview someone this afternoon? um, They interviewed him this afternoon too. They, I think they interviewed two people. So yeah. um, Good, good for him and good for the Texans, I guess. Um, Hopefully he finds a way to recover from what um, Bob did to him because he's got, he's got his work cut out for him for the next couple of years. I wonder how Texans fans are feeling with that. I was like, we just moved on from one Patriots guy. Now we're going to another one. Like, can we just find someone who wasn't with the Patriots? Or am yeah. I just putting too much stock into that? Probably a little bit, but I also could see fans thinking that, right? Like we've talked about this with the draft. Like, I'm not drafting a Florida quarterback because there's been no Florida quarterbacks that are good or any, that's obviously an example, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like Ohio state would have been a better example for recency 
biased, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Before we sign off, um, there is a few things that I actually want to talk to you about. That's not on the rundown. Um, but before we do that, we have a new promo that we want you guys to know about. So um, Invisiware, it's an awesome set of jewelry. Actually, my wife found it. She was like, this is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of scary, scary stories coming out in social media of uh, women like at the store with their kids or alone or even on a jog or whatever, and they just feel like they're being watched or followed. Uh, I know the big one that like just came out was this lady was in a, gro- in a grocery store with her kid and a guy kept following her on the phone and she could hear him and he was describing what the kid looked like and his like how he his character Maddox I guess like how he acts and stuff like that and she just kept hearing this and then uh she purposely parks far away because she has like a stroller and like a, a van and stuff so she said it's always hard to like be parked next to somebody so she was parked down at the at the back of the parking lot when she came out of the parking lot she noticed there was a white van right next to their car. And so she was like being very close and quiet and, you know, just trying to get in. She had two kids. She put one kid in. And then as she started putting the second kid in, a guy came and grabbed her. And luckily a guy had just pulled up next to her and that guy got out and said, what's going on here? And then they hurried and got in the car and ran and drove away. So like terrifying that that shit can happen. Right. Like, wow. So anyways, that's not the point of this. The point is, is it is disgusting that women cannot feel safe, even going to the grocery store by themselves or with kids. Invisiware is here to help that. So it's amazing jewelry that you connect through your phone. And so if, you, if something bad does happen and somebody does take you, they're obviously going to take your phone, right? Like they're going to be like, you can't contact us. This jewelry, they're not going to think, oh, I'm, let me take her necklace or bracelet or whatever either. Um, it has a button inside of it and you click it and if you hold it down, it will text and or call depending on how many times you click it. Uh, five family members plus the police and it'll do a GPS inside of it and get you uh, whoever needs to come will, will show up. So um, amazing technology, amazing jewelry. My wife loves how it looks as well. So that also helps. Um, so amazing, amazing thing. We have a 10% off, uh, guys or girls, it doesn't matter, but Valentine's Day is coming up. Go ahead and get it. Go to Invisiware.com. Uh, you can use our promo code. It's Invisiware-TF10. Um, 10% off anything you want. Uh, we post it on our social media. It has a link to it and our, and our promo code. So go and, go and get your special someone a gift. Yeah, I mean, make sure that your loved ones feel safe and that you can be confident that they're safe as well. Again, that promo code is Invisiware-TF10. That's Talking Football 10% off. Invisiware-TF10. Go to Invisiware. Therese brought this up to me, I believe, last week or a couple weeks. I was last week, right before the new year. And was like, hey, dude, was able to get this locked down. What do you think? I was like, this is freaking awesome. Can't believe this hasn't already been out there. This hasn't already been done. Uh, something I would definitely get my loved one. Uh, I might get, you know, my sister, one who lives out of state now. She's you know, big girl job, working her own thing, doing her own life. Uh, and that's great. But, you know, there's always a concern of like, hey, stay aware, make sure nothing's happening around you. Because as sad as this is to say, sometimes it's not, you know, a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it sucks that, you know, you can't just live your life and feel safe as a woman. Um, but here, there's the technologies here to help you feel even more safe and protected and know that your loved ones can track you and that authorities can be there uh, to save you, you know, and, and help make you feel more protected by just wearing a piece of jewelry that you're also going to look pretty hot in. You know what I mean? Flaunt that shit. But also know that while you're flaunting it, you're safe, girl. So we're here to help. We want to be able to give this to you guys that listen. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Again, Invisiware-TF10. Protect your loved ones. Let them feel safe. Let them be styling at the same time. We're here to help you guys. Love it. Cool. All right. Now moving into our last segment here. So there are what six head coaching jobs available. So if it, in case everybody wasn't aware, uh, Jets, New York Jets, obviously, uh, Houston Texans, uh, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, Atlanta Falcons, and Los Angeles Chargers. Six things, six jobs right there. 
So I'm sure you did this on radio and I'm sorry I, had, I did not listen today. So maybe you guys didn't do it. Maybe you did. What are your top three uh, job openings? Top three, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Jets. Um, and the Jets might be surprising to hear that, but Joe Douglas is taking over the complete control of the general manager, duh, of course. But within that, it's we've already seen what he can do his first year as a general manager through the draft. You know what I mean? You get yourself a left tackle. You got yourself a receiver. I think that you should keep Sam Darnold and just kind of give him uh, another opportunity, see how he plays. If it's not well, you still suck. You still get another draft pick. You're fine. You're not having, you're not stuck paying the kid. Okay. You move on with it. You get your quarterback as a coach. You build with Joe Douglas as he continues to build this offense and give you weapons and gives your defense time to go as well. And they have a ton of money. Same thing can be said with Jacksonville. They're getting ready to draft Trevor Lawrence. They got DJ Shark at receiver. They have speed. They have a running back. The future is bright in Jacksonville. Trace, we talk about it all the time. You know, they're secondary members. They've been able to draft them. Their edge rushers are there. Build on the linebackers that you've paid with Joe Schobert um, and Miles Jack. Get yourself a third one. And then find a way to get yourself some defensive tackles there to just stop the run. Because once you do that for the defense, and you get Trevor Lawrence with DJ Shark and Armstrong at running back, hey, that offense is clicking for Jacksonville, and they're competing in that division again, and it is going to be exciting. Hopefully they can repeat 2017, find a way back into the playoffs, maybe get lucky into the AFC Championship game, and then ultimately make it to the Super Bowl. It might take a couple years, but at least you have your quarterback of the future. That's what every team is searching for, and hopefully you get that with Trevor Lawrence as a head coach. That would be an awesome opportunity to go do it. It looks like, oh, Mr. Uh, – oh, my gosh, his name is now slipping my mind. Ohio State, Urban Meyer, $12 million. If I'm Shot Khan, I'm freaking – here's a blank check, dude. Put $15 million if you want. Come coach this team. And then with the Chargers. Go ahead. Sorry. We haven't even talked about this, but I'm all no. for – I'm all for Urban Meyer being the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Um, I'm like set, like, yes, I, there's a lot of guys that I really like. I like Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. I like Dabble from, uh, the bills, their OC as well. Um, so there's a lot of good candidates, but like, as long as they're going young offensive minded or like out of the box, like urban, like, I just don't want to do like same old, same old, like yep. if you're going to fail, fail big by trying something new. Like that's why I would not fault. And I didn't fault the Bengals for bringing back Zach Taylor. Cause I want to know what young kid first time, like give him a couple years and I just go for it. Right. Like I would much rather that than like, Marvin Lewis or Jim Caldwell, like 65 year old Jim Caldwell. No, thanks. Like give me a young yep. dude or hell urban Meyer. He's older. What does urban Meyer do? He comes in, he brings you a championship or brings you a lot of success for three years. And then he just randomly bounces. I'm fine with that as well. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with it. Like, just yeah. like, like, let's just see what can happen. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of Jags fans and stuff like, well, if Urban Meyer or Ryan Day come in, that means Justin Fields coming in. No, that's not true. Urban Meyer, not at all. Urban Meyer came out like a month ago and said, uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is literally the best quarterback, college quarterback he's ever seen in his life. Like, He's not a going lot to of people say that. Yeah. And a lot of people say that, right? He's not going like he knows he can't fuck this up. <laughs> like <laughs> everybody knows you can't, so you better go the safest route possible. Even if you think that Justin Fields has more upside than Trevor Lawrence, people would not choose him over Trevor Lawrence because they will go as safe as possible. Which, for yeah. the record, I don't think he has more upside than Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect and has the most upside. Bingo, bingo, completely agree with you there. And then, you know, with the Los Angeles Chargers, everything's set. I mean, you just got to build on the offensive line and keep your defense healthy. You got Bosa, you got Ingram, you got Derwin James, you got Kenneth Murray. I mean, hell, what else do you need? But Just a head coach, I guess, to keep the message straight and find a way to win games. And I don't know if that is Anthony Lynn to blame. I don't – I kind of wish they would have kept him because I like Anthony Lynn, you know, and I like the future for the Chargers. Uh, within it, though, it's just maybe that message did run stale. You know, it just things weren't working when you have, I think it was three or four straight games, you got a 17-point lead, and then you lose those games. It's hard to come back with that, even when you win the last four. But a head coach coming into that situation, like, 
You got a decent running back. You got a hell of a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. You got Mike Williams. You got Hunter Henry. Oh, and uh, your receiver, who's pretty good. What's his name, Trees? Like one of the best route runners in the NFL. Oh, you know, pretty just good. Keenan Allen. Just pretty good. Yeah, guy. no big deal. I hate that he wears a hoodie underneath his pad sometimes, but if that's the only knock on him, so be it. Like, you can walk in as a head coach with that, and I think that should be the perfect landing spot uh, for Dabble, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Dude, go freaking run that offense. Go get Josh Allen 2.0 over there with Justin Herbert and freaking continue to let the magic happen as the head coach. Now, you are playing in the AFC West against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Cool. Bring on some competition. Would love to see it. Would love to see the Chargers and Chiefs, you know, continue to have those back-and-forth type of games uh, because that makes both these teams better, and it's going to make the season even that much more exciting. It's going to make the AFC West be more exciting. And, hell, yeah, let's just rock and roll. That, that's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting Dabo to go be the head coach uh, for the Chargers. I know that is a cross-country trip. That might be the one team that he hasn't been a part of yet in the NFL because he's been in the league a while, and he's been with Alabama before, too. Uh, but yeah, the Chargers job has got to be number one for me. Yeah. I mean, that would be back-to-back hires of Bill's OCs going to the Chargers. Cause that's what Anthony Lynn was as well. Oh my gosh. That's right. Yeah. Or maybe he was just the running backs coach. I can't remember, but, but Bill's um, personnel, Bill's personnel. So here's my, there's three options and only three options for the Chargers. In my opinion, Brian Dabble, who you just mentioned, um, Pat uh, Fitzpatrick, Northwestern head coach, and then Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma head coach. You and I have talked Man, about this one. You're strong on that. I'm you? sticking to it. He will not leave because look at what he has at Oklahoma. He will not leave. But if I was the Chargers and I'm like, we have this shiny ass stadium and we know that the Rams are the favorite and not the Chargers, how do you change that? You go get the sexiest head coach in the like possible. Like, not there would not be a sexier hire in the next like four years as him. Like, what look what he has done with you know all the guys that he has. He can do amazing things with Justin Herbert. So I'm gonna go with those those three. I would love to see Pat's uh, Fitzpatrick there, uh, or sorry Fitzgerald. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I absolutely would love that hire um, with the Chargers. I think those are all three great candidates. I think Lincoln Riley, like you mentioned, he's got it made in Oklahoma. I don't yeah. think he wants to leave Norman. But, I mean, shoot, you get offered $10 million a year to go be the head coach for an NFL team in Los Angeles with that stadium. Maybe tell Oklahoma, like, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'm coming right back. So, uh, you know, save me a seat. For sure. All right, that does it for us. Uh, Can't believe it's already playoff time. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the NFC. So uh, come back, enjoy the time. And tonight we've been talking football.